What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Highfield Show. This is Nick. We got a very special guest with us today. His name is Cal Thorne. I've known Cal for a very, very, very long time. I grew up with his kids. I've seen his kids break elbows, break backs, <laughs> everything under the sun. I've been on a lot of boating trips with Cal, been camping with Cal and his family, and have known Cal for a very long time. And it wasn't until yesterday that I learned who Cal was. Cal's changed, but it wasn't until yesterday I had the honor to sit in the service and listen to Cal's story. Not going to lie, Cal, you got me pretty emotional. <laughs> and I, this this podcast is primarily about entrepreneurship, businesses, and Cal owns a business, and we're going to hear about that. But we also get to hear about who Cal was and the things he struggled with and the things that people didn't know about Cal. And I think it's very important. We were talking about this before the show started. It's very important to see these signs in people. And you're not always going to, but if you have any inclination of somebody close to you that seems like they're struggling in any sort of way, you're just, you're in general topic and you bring something up and they get quiet. And you're like, that's kind of weird. I wonder why they got quiet. You should address that because they're struggling with something that could be much larger than you even think. And struggle and addiction and, and anything happens a lot more common than people think. And us as humans are very good at hiding things. We're masters of it. And um, just to hear Cal's story yesterday was absolutely eye-opening. And like I said, I was, I was just waterworks listening to it. Um, but Cal, thanks for coming on the show and, and introduce yourself to people of, of who you are and kind of your background. Well, yeah, thanks, Nick, for having me. Um, as Nick said, my name is Cal Thorne, and um, I've been self-employed for 26 years. Um, that's kind of what I used to hang my identity on, um, and I have a, an awesome family and a, and a wife, three boys that's, um, as you mentioned, that absolutely love and so proud of all three of them, um, but just recently in life have... Um, saw some things differently and how God just blessed those, um, the, the transformation of that. So, yeah, we're definitely going to get into that, but growing up as a, as a kid, who was Cal and what kind of work ethic and stuff did you have? Um, at a very young age, I was a very mischievous, uh, kid. Um, always getting hurt, falling off of buildings. Um, got that's, hit by where, a car. that's where your kids get it from. Yes. I had no idea. So continue. <laughs> yes. I uh, got hit by a car on a motorcycle, crushed my ankle. Um, I was into sports. Um, and what was the rest of that question? Just who was, who were you as a kid in your work ethic? Uh, yeah, work, work ethic. Um, I remember at a younger age that I wanted to do some, uh, extra activities other than just, you know, basic stuff that the school offered. And, um, my dad was always one to support me except for anything outside of what he thought was, was normal. And so if it was going to a dance, um, he would pay for me, but he wouldn't pay for, you know, if I had a date, um, to go to the dance. So, that was kind of embarrassing for me at, at one point. And I decided, no, this isn't happening again. So I went and got my first job just washing dishes and uh, had to ride my bike to, uh, to this restaurant during the evenings and made my own money so I could, you know, do those things. And if I wanted to buy a stereo or whatever that, that I could ever since then is I've been working, you know, whatever I could find. Yeah. Out of high school, did you have a career path that you thought you were going into? Had zero idea. It was, um, I was focused a lot on, on athletics. So basketball was a huge part of that. My hopes and dreams of playing, uh, you know, college basketball. And, um, it wasn't until after I got into college and realized as, um, the head coach at the college level, you know, said, Oh, so Thorne, you're, you're no longer the big fish in the little pond, are you? Which was a big kind of eye opener for me. And at that point I was like, okay, I need to, to figure this out. Yeah. And did you continue? You said you did go to college. 
I did. Yeah. And, and what was that for? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was just because, uh, you know, my dad was in education, superintendent, principal, coach, and that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, when I went, you know, I was taking the basic courses and uh, struggling, um, except for badminton and weight and lifting and, back, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but realized I was like, I, I don't have a plan. I, I do not have any idea what I'm going to do here. Yeah. So I decided that after a year and a half in, into college, I just said, eh, if, if, if I come back, I come back. But right now it's, you know, not, not for my, for my, uh, desires. Yeah. And so I quit and went into the work field. And what did you do for your, your first job? So shortly after that, I, um, got a job at a local cable company and really loved it. It was something that came natural to me, um, just cables and technology by itself. Yeah. And then at what age did you start your own business? Um, well, that was 26 years ago. So, um, do the math. Um, <laughs> I was 20, what was that? 21 when we got married and shortly after that had, um, our youngest and, um, I'll, I'll go back from that question just a little bit to get to there. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier that, um, I always wanted to do something and I knew that I wanted to work for myself. And, um, so I don't know if you've heard of Amway or not. It's yes. a multi-level. Yes, 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 uh, yes. So we got approached by Amway and I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And, um, it was a very education, educational, you know, time for me of, um, this, this guy that was very, um, very successful in Amway. I was able to, he was kind of like my mentor and, uh, he had five kids, was married, had this roofing company in Portland and, um, successful Amway business. And I was like, Oh wow, this guy's doing something right. Um, and that was the first time that I actually started to get any kind of influence from a godly man. Mm. And I was traveling up to Portland uh, like three, three times a week after work just to hang out with him and see what he was doing. And I remember my wife, uh, or uh, he was asking my wife one time that, um, so Cal's going to Portland a lot, spending a lot of time away from you. And we had one, I think we had Kyle at that time, our youngest one. And he, he said, is, is this a problem? We don't want to cause any problems. And she said, no, I'm actually seeing the difference that it's making in his life. So please keep doing that. Wow. And uh, I was able to see just how he balanced his his business, two businesses, his Amway business, his roofing business, five kids and his wife, and that relationship and God and church all in there. And did that for about two years. And uh, then went into business for myself. Um, and for those who don't know Amway, explain that. So Amway is a multi-level. Um, it was, I'll get some of the facts wrong, but in general, it was like a soap-based in the year that this guy went from house to house selling soap and then it's expanded to all these different products and uh, much bigger now. Uh, it just wasn't the financial vehicle for me. Yeah. Uh, great educational tools. Um, they were, you know, handing out books like um, Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. um, Win Friends and Influence People. And that was my first really, you know, um, self-help books kind of that I started to, to read. Um, so it was a great... You know, I, I would, I, there's no regrets there. I didn't make any money out, but it was an awesome experience. Yeah. And then that kind of jump started you into, okay, I, I do want to start my own business. Yeah. I, um, I was working for another company at that time. And, um, this is one of the keys of my business that, to, that started it. Cause in, in one of those self-help books, you know, it says when you make it a, a passionate decision, um, that will drive, uh, your, your work ethic, your, uh, your success. And, um, like it really connected with your emotions when you make this decision. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was in this office in, in, uh, the manager's office. I used to work for a satellite company and that went around from houses and houses to sell stuff. And, um, 
So we're in this his office and we're disagreeing on whatever subject is and we're yelling, like screaming at each other. I was surprised they didn't get fired. And um I just I I wasn't even thinking about it. I just looked at a magazine like a day or two before and I saw this product in there and I was really intrigued by it. So out comes from my mouth I say one day I'm going to be putting satellites on RVs. And I blew out of the room and as soon as I opened the door everybody was looking at me like, "Oh my gosh, what just happened?" And then like I don't know how many years later I started my own business and what am I doing? You're putting satellites on roofs of RVs. Yeah. Wow. So back then when you did make that transition, was your wife working? Um, at that time, she was working for a police department. Um, and part of our goal was because um, we had goals because of what we learned from Amway. Yeah. And um, so it was we made a goal of. If the business takes off, then uh, she can she can come home and be a full time mom, Great. and and or she gets pregnant for the third time because we already have two kids at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, so she's working. I'm trying to build the business, and um, so I go out to a, um a business and I'm trying to promote myself and, you know, recruit new business. And then all of a sudden, um, business just like takes off. And two weeks later we find out that she's pregnant. Wow. And then, so she came home and she's been a full-time mom ever since. Wow. And this is for everybody listening. This is something I had no idea. Like I've never known Cal's early days. And as you're talking about this in the Amway and the self-help books, like I am, I am at Cal's younger age right now. Like what age you were at, I'm at now and I'm getting into that and I'm starting my own business and very fortunate enough to have my girlfriend, which one day very soon will be my wife, um, leave her job and start working for me full time. So like I, I, I've just been very blessed that everything's played its cards out and that transition was able to happen. So, but I know that transition can be scary because mm-hmm. you're like, is there going to be enough income coming in this month to support us both our house, everything? Yeah. You start thinking about all that. So I, a lot of people get hung up on that. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I wanted to ask you of how that story uh, played out. So, but ever since she's been a stay at home mom and yeah. she never had to go back to work. Yep. And it's based on a decision. So um, I, I'm not going to lie that, that at that time in my life, faith was not very important to me, but um, motivation and hard work was, and it was faith that I would succeed when I made that, made that decision. So those are key points in, in my business mm-hmm. of, of how that progressed. Yeah. So it was local to the, in Oregon. Yep. And how long until were you immediately mobile or did, were you selling the product first and then went mobile? So we'll back up just a little bit. Um, when I first started my business, I was working for another company and, um, I was already in the process. I didn't like how they did business ethically. And I, it was a corporate America kind of company and nationally, and they were, you know, flying me over to train other, you know, techs and, um, I just didn't like what they were about and how they did it. So I was already kind of in the mindset of, I want to start my own business. And I'd shared with um, my corporate supervisor one day. I called him. I was just angry and said, you know, I know you guys are going to shut this this office down here in Eugene. And um, I, can just, I can just tell. And he's like, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. And two weeks later, I'm out on the job site and the office manager calls me and says, uh, two corporate cars, rental cars just pulled up full of corporate guys. And uh, so why don't you stop what you're doing and I'll call you back in a minute. And I was in the middle of training a new uh, crew Mm. and we're in Roseburg. And uh, so um, he calls me back and says, uh, Cal, you need to come back. And cause I had told the manager what I had said to the corporate guy too. And he goes, I, I think that's happening. And so 
I go back to my crew and say, load up, we're going back. I don't tell them anything. And, but I went to the customer and said, I can't tell you what's going on. I apologize that we have to leave right now. I don't know when, but I personally will call you back and I'll get you taken care of. So we go back and there are people are running around the office and doing things. And, um, so the corporate guy that I called earlier two weeks before, he says, you and me into your office now. So we go in there and he was like cussing, like, you know, how the heck did you know that we were going to do this? I was like, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. And, uh, he said, well, get your stuff out of your car. And so I went and unloaded my stuff, left, went and got my business license. And I don't remember the time frame, but it wasn't very much longer. I called that guy in Roseburg. That was my very first customer. And when I, I remember driving on the road thinking, wow, I'm doing this. And I was so alive. Like I was on, you know, I had my own wings almost at that yes. point. It was, it was pretty exciting. That's very cool. And it's cool that you had at a young age, and I'm sure you saw this experience in somebody else, but that you could read the lines of what was going on and then not freak out, right? Because you were training a crew, and you're like, all right, guys, we just got to pack up and go. Because a lot of people, they hear that kind of news, and they're like, you guys, I I, I heard the bosses are showing up, and, and stuff's, stuff's not going good. We're going to lose our jobs. And a lot of people just start freaking out. But I find it a trend with business owners that they're very nimble and share what they want to share to their people in their organization for a specific reason, not to get everybody overwhelmed. So it's cool kind of how you played that card out. And then when that big blow up did happen, you're like, okay, I'm out of here. And cause you knew what was next. So the last, that last 29 years, what's that look like from that first customer, you trucking down to Roseburg with a smile on your face <laughs> Yeah. So that was actually residential, like house dishes. And, um, it, it transitioned about a year later, um, that I was traveling all over the state to take care of all these customers. And then I had a friend that, uh, was a manager at one of the oil changing places in town. And, uh, he said his boss had an RV that he, uh, wanted a stereo put in and, when I was back in my cable days, I was also doing a side job of just installing car stereos. It just something I love to do. And it was just natural to me. And, um, so like, sure, I'll go, go do it for him and put this, you know, booming stereo in a bus. And, uh, that, that gentleman afterwards, he was like, this was before the business started. He says, uh, you need to really seriously think about you know, starting your own business. And the story behind the story is 12 years later from the time he shared that with me, I actually moved bought a house and moved in next door to him. Wow. That's where we're at now. Okay. I've heard a little bit about this neighbor. So that, that was your first customer. Yep. No kidding. That is incredible. So then that kind of transitioned that planted a seed of RVs. And so then I went to a local manufacturing company here locally and uh, I said, Hey, do you have anybody you need any help on this? And they said, well, there's uh, somebody that's supposed to have been out here like the last two days and they haven't shown up. If he doesn't show up by the end of the day, can you come out tomorrow? And I said, sure. I'd never touched a, a, a coach for a satellite. I never put on a satellite before ever. And this is like an $800,000 coach. And, um, he called me and I went and put one on first, first one I ever had done. And it took me eight hours, what we normally do in two hours now, <laughs> because I was just so nor- nervous and didn't want to, you know, screw it up. And from that, I landed that account. And from there, that's when it started to explode. And then Shannon, my wife was be able, was able to, to come home. Wow. Okay. So there was little parts already moving in the business yeah. and then it was securing that. And that company you'd done work for, for many years, right? Yeah. Okay. Were you kind of their main in-house guy? And then, yeah. So that one actually developed into, um, one of the key things of, that I think is important here too, is when my business first started out in the RV industry, that, um, when I wasn't 
um, busy. It was slow. I didn't have anything to do. I went and found people to speak to in the industry. I went to the service centers. I checked on, hey, how are you guys doing? You need anything? I started building those relationships and that relationship of trust. And hey, if you need somebody, I'm here for you. And then after so many years, this relationship built and people started calling me and we started getting busier and busier. So that's a real key point of when you're sitting still. And I've heard this from other, like one of our manufacturers that we buy product from. He said, there's so many dealers out there like you are, Cal, but the thing that they don't get is they just sit there and wait for the phone to ring, but you're constantly out looking for it. Mm-hmm. When times are slow, you weren't just sitting there. Yeah. And because you knew too, you had a family to provide for. Yep. You had to figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. So then you, you got into RVs and then to, to what I know, you ended up going to Palm Springs at some point at a certain part every year. Yep. And I knew Cal and his wife would go down to Palm Springs and then Riley moved down there with you guys. And um, then Riley wasn't around here for a period of time. So, how did you, over, over all those years, how did you start expanding outside? Um, like going down to Paul, yeah. Palm Springs? Yeah. Um, so with, with that, the story, um, when business got slow, I, had, I knew that there was a market down there. I'd been there, down there once before. And the RV market down in the winter, that's where all the snowbirds go. So I knew there was a healthy amount of snowbirds down there. And so I was actually going down there um, after basketball season because I was coaching at that time. Mm -hmm. And I would be about four to six weeks down there. But it was at the tail end of the season. So I wasn't making a ton of money on it. But I knew the potential was there. Yeah. And let's back up a little bit because a key point to the the next chapter is going to be Basketball is going to be one of the key points. Mm-hmm. When did you start coaching basketball? So actually it was my, I thought I wasn't going to get emotional, but <laughs> it was uh, when my youngest son was in, in fourth grade and they had a coach that, you know, he was a volunteer coach and he was trying, but he just didn't know anything about basketball and the kids knew more than he did. And they were frustrated and, um, you know, I'm sitting up in the stands complaining as a parent and the parents just called me out. Well, if you know so much about it, why don't you coach? So I tried to help that year where he didn't want anything to do with it. So the next year I was like, okay, I want my, my kids to have a coach. And uh, so I began coaching and that was my son's fifth grade year. Um, Kyle's my old son. And then just kind of progressively, progressively moved along as he got older and I just went through the different ages and then hung out and at middle school coached there for, um, oh, four years. And then I was actually coaching at one time. I was, um, the eighth grade coach for an A and a B team. And then I was also an assistant coach for the freshman boys. So I was kind of like double dipping in, in the coaching. That was a busy season for me, but I absolutely loved it. Sure. And now with with business, your middle son is involved, Lance. Mm-hmm. And you telling me your story as a kid and tinkering in car stereos, Lance is an identical twin mm-hmm. to you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep. Um, so how was that involvement? Because uh, he started helping at a young age with your work. Yeah. He actually got involved. Uh, we actually went to, um, vac- on vacation and, um, my wife and I did, and the boys stayed home and my mom came over and stayed with him while we were gone. And we came home and I walked into his room and there was a flat screen TV that was on the wall hung with no wires showing. And it was all fully hooked up. At that point, I went, okay, he's going to start working with me. There's some gifts that he is, he has. Yeah. And, um, he had been going into the shop with me and cleaning up and dinkering with some stuff. But at that point I was like, okay, so that was, he was 12 years old and I'd have him go out and, you know, do some things. And, um, Kyle did that as well. 
not as much as Lance. And then Lance just kind of really came into his own. And he was, I think he was 18 when uh, we talked to him about going full time. And then ever since then, he hasn't looked back and um, he definitely has a gift for it. In fact, uh, a year ago, we were both out doing an, an install together. And afterwards, I just said, Lance, I need to share something with you that um, you are an amazing technician. You are better, far better than I ever was. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. So um, he is just, he's definitely gifted. Definitely. Yeah. And I've known that Lance too. When I was growing up as a kid, he had everything torn apart, always tinkering. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was the airsoft guns in the yeah. garage, there'd be batteries out of them and parts and Lance knew everything about it. Yep. So that's cool to see. And he's, and he's currently still working for you. Yes. Um, and he takes care of the Oregon market while you're down in Palm Springs, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, I think this would be a good time to transition your sure. story. So I basically want to hear your story that I heard yesterday in as much more detailed as you feel comfortable sharing. Um, and, and my main purpose for this is I don't want to just stop at the business side. And as I alluded to earlier at the, the beginning of the show, this is a Cal I knew. And, and I actually knew, oh, I would say a fraction of, of Cal's true story. I just knew him as, as some of my best friend's dads and that he, that he had a cool boat, a big house, he had a big field we could ride four-wheelers in. I just thought it was great. And I always, I saw Cal and Shanna, they were happy. Like I, I just saw like, man, they're living the American dream, self-employed, vacations. My family is vacation with them. I'm like, this is great. It wasn't until yesterday that I'm like, wow, nobody truly knows. And at the end of this, we'll kind of loop around to what your guys' mission is after had gone through all of this and I want to help promote you guys and, and bring awareness to the cause and that I won't just call it a foundation you're, you're creating, but this, this ministry move, ministry. Yeah. Yes. So I'll let you take it from here, Cal. All right. So, um, like we said, we were going down to Palm Springs in it. Um, before we actually started doing that on a consistent basis, uh, business had slowed down. So, um, I knew that I had to quit coaching basketball to be able to go down earlier in the season and start in October. And I just, I really struggled with that because I just absolutely love coaching basketball and more so of just how that it's impactful to the young men. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just really didn't want to do that, but I knew I needed to. So I gave that up in June, went down in October, um, then, you know, I started looking for a school to volunteer with down there. Um, shortly after found a school, I went and checked them out and I'm giving you the short version, uh, cause this is normally a 45 minute story. Yeah. Um, and so checked it we, out and we got like 30 more minutes. So okay. feel free to fill in as much as you can. Okay. Um, so we, I Googled a couple of schools and decided to go to um, two of them and check out the game uh, that they had their first game that, that first season. And um, the first night found out that I, I really enjoyed this one team that I was um, checking out and had a great attitude. Uh, the boys played good together and I really went home thinking I, I want to be a part of that. And so um that next day after work, I went over to the school just to, you know, see if I could talk to the athletic director and the athletic director um, that was there. He had, well, let me back, back up. So the school from, from Elmira was like 400 students. That's where I was coaching before. And then uh, the school that I was going to check out to see if they're interested was um, there's about 3000 students. And uh, I walk into the, the gym and um, to, or not to the gym, to the, the, the school, the front doors. And there's a security guard there. So I asked him if I could talk to the athletic director and he said, um, well, we just don't let anybody in here. Do you have an appointment? So 
the secretary kind of calls me over and she calls the secretary and or calls the athletic director and um, doesn't answer and hangs up the phone and there's a door to the right that an- that he walks out of and says, Mr. So-and-so, this is Mr. Thorne. He'd like to volunteer for coaching basketball. So he asks me, is it girls or boys that you'd like to coach? And I said, boys. And he started to laugh and he said, well, um, we've been looking for a qualified coach since June. And I remember June was the time that I made that decision to, to give it up that I thought I was giving up. Yeah. And so um, he said, would you like to be introduced to the head coach? He's teaching a class in the gym. So we walk about five steps and here's this coach. He appears and introduces him to me. And then uh, we continue to walk to the gym and outside the gym, the head coach tells me, well, why don't you go inside Cal? I'm going to finish up this conversation. Be in a minute. And so as soon as I get in, there's nobody in the gym. Lights are on. It's quiet. And I look up at the scoreboard and I get this warm, tingly feeling. And I just say, okay, God, this has nothing to do with me. This is all you. So uh, head coach walks in and we start talking about the game from the night before. He's asking me questions. And uh, so about 45 minutes had gone by from the time that I walked through the front door till the time that he turns to me and says, Cal, when can you when can you start? And we agreed to start that next Monday. This was on a Friday. And so I walked out of the gym that day just going, what just happened? Yeah, and that, I, I do want to back up. Okay. That was the same time that he kind of threw you to the wolves, right? No. Okay. This is coming. Okay, I'll, I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, uh, we get... You know, I, I mean, that just doesn't happen to, to be able to do that. You know, normally there's background checks, there's applications you have to fill, references they call. They don't just do that. Mm-hmm. And so I was just amazed that this has taken place. So I show up on Monday and I'm looking around the gym and I see all these championship banners from all the different sports that they've, you know, won. And so I asked the boys, I was like, well, hey, where's, where's the ch- basketball championship banners? And they said, kind of sheepishly hung their head and says, coach, we don't, we don't have any. And I said, I don't worry about that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll change that. Just trying to lighten the mood. And, uh, so then the head coach, um, introduces me to the team as a coach that he's thinking about hiring. And this is when he says, okay, coach practice starts, go ahead, take over and throws me to the wolves, so to speak, not expecting that wasn't planning it, didn't have a practice plan. I just started kind of winging it and went off some drills that I had done in the past. And um, the boys, you know, were really enjoying it at that time. And so to give you an idea of what the team looks like, we have there, it's a big team. We have a six, seven, a six, five, six, four, and they're super athletic. And um, I find out that the six, seven kid has never dunked in a game. So um, we start doing these drills and we do this drill, it's called a dunk drill, where I tell him as a coach, I should be able to see your eyes light up when you see a lane open up and you aggressively attack the hoop and you throw it down with an attitude. So we practice this all through the season and they just absolutely loved it. And uh, so season kind of goes on and, you know, we're doing pretty good. We're about third place, highest that they've ever finished was third. And we get to our first uh, league game. About halfway through the game, I see the six seven uh, guy's eyes light up, and he aggressively attacks the hoop and throws it down. Crowd, you know, applauses. And uh, six seven kid, you know, that's not too exciting. Kind of expected that, but everybody on the team knew exactly how special that moment was. Yeah. So he runs down the court, and he looks at me, and he's just smiling from ear to ear, and. I just knew how special, how, yeah, just how special that moment was to me. And so the next day we get into practice and I give them a challenge and I just say, okay, everybody, anybody that dunks during the game, be a free steak dinner on me, wherever you want to go. And except for you, six, seven, he's like, what? Well, you, you have to be one foot away or two handed anything. He goes, okay, that's fair, coach. So um, 
we continue, and then a little ways um, into the season, a player comes up and invites me to this house church Super Bowl party. And I wasn't into church at the time. Um, I was definitely not into crowds. And if I didn't know you, I wasn't going to hang out with you. Yeah. But this church, this house church thing intrigued me. So um, my wife was planning on flying down to celebrate my birthday that happened to be on that Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. So um, she calls me the night before and says, hey, what do you, what's your plans? What do you want to do for your birthday? And I said, I think I kind of want to go to this house church or house, yeah, house church Super Bowl party thing. And she was like, you do? It doesn't sound like you. And so we went there and met a, great, a lot of great people there. Uh, the hosts there were, were awesome, uh, very inviting. And everybody's like, oh, you're Coach Cal. And found out later that they were all praying for me, that they're, um, they're, the, my player, Amory, was, had told his church family about us. And we made some really great connections. And um, some of the, the people that were there we're still great friends with today. Uh, so a couple of days after that party, we have a game and it's we're tied for second place and we have two games remaining and uh, Shanna's there and the gym's starting to fill up a little bit more this time at the beginning of the season. There was hardly anybody in the seats. And so um, we end up winning that game and now we're tied for first place against the defending champs of the year before. Uh, they have already beat us once at home and 42 other times. We've never beaten them in the history of our school in basketball. And we have to play them for the league championship at their gym. Okay. So um, that next next week of practice, I say to the, to the head coach, I was like, hey, what do you think about getting championship like T-shirts for him? He said, oh, what if? I was like, yeah, what if? And he says, that could be expensive. I went, well, let me help. How about you design them, you order them, I'll pick them up, and I'll pay for them. He says, sure. So I don't know if you've ever tried to order shirts, and uh, especially like two days before the game. Yeah, so, it's, it's tricky getting custom anything. And whenever you need custom anything, it happens to be within three days of when you need them, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, just how amazing how God works is another point. of. Yeah. Uh, so he orders them, and we find out that there's a team that had placed an order and canceled their order. It just happened to be all the sizes that we needed and the color of the shirts that we needed. Excuse me. And so uh, I went and picked them up the night of the game on the way to the game, showed up to the gym. And again, this gym is like a small college, um, had a great atmosphere. My mom and dad from Oregon, they were down there visiting. Uh, Shanna had stayed another week because I had told her earlier in the week, I feel like something special is about ready to happen. And so she's there at the game. Now our church friends are at the game. And uh, I have clients that have been watching us on the local news. They're there at the game. And just a, yeah, just a great atmosphere. So we walk into the, to, uh, the locker room, and this young man walks in as we're getting ready. And he starts to talk, and I'm about ready to kick him out because I, I don't know who he is. And, but I like what he's saying. So I just let him stay. And then at the end, he says, all right, let's huddle up. Let's pray. And I'm thinking, mm, we can get fired for that. Uh, I don't know. And, but since neither one of the coaches initiated that, we both were like, okay, let's, let's pray. And so he begins to pray, and I start crying. And I'm thinking, Cal, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? Get a hold of yourself. And so I turn real quick as he says amen i turn from the huddle real quick and i'm wiping my tears i didn't want the boys to see me and uh, so a little bit later we walk out into the gym for the game to start and in all the years i've played and all the years i've coached i've never felt the energy like it was in this gym it was just like electric fine electrifying electrifying yeah electric electrifying yeah electrifying whatever the word is yeah. it was that and it was like you could reach out and touch it. I'm it sure there just, were no words. Exactly. 
It was. The boys still to this day, when we talk about it, they're like, it's hard to explain. It's just. I'm sure it felt had, similar to like a movie scene where you see in a traditional basketball movie when they go to the championships, when you as a viewer typically get that warm, fuzzy feel. You're like, oh, wow, this is special. But you being in that moment, I'm sure, is a whole nother feeling. Yeah. It, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to explain what, the feeling of it. Yeah. But all the boys on the team have it, it felt that. And so uh, game starts and it's really close. It's like five point swings. Halftime, we're tied. Second half starts, and now we're like two-point swings, super close. And we're up by three points, and it's two minutes and 47 seconds left in the game. And I see the six, seven guy's eyes light up. He aggressively attacks the hoop, throws it down with two hands, and the rim comes down and springs back up, and the crowd just erupts. And we ended up winning by seven points that night. First time in 21 years, school history, that they won a league championship. And here you are, a guy from Oregon that puts satellites on RVs. You need to get some more work. You go down to Palm Springs. You're like, ah, maybe I should start coaching some basketball down here while I got to spend some time here. You go to a game, and then a part that you did leave out... You were you were going to two different games. Yes. And you met a guy in the stands that actually worked at that other school. So you got to know a little bit about both of those schools, right? Yep. And then here you are now a part of the, the team. And then you take them to the championship and win it. And that hasn't happened for 21 years. Yeah, ever in their history. Incredible. Yes. Incredible. So I turn around and get my bag out of the... The, or the bag from the back of the bench, pull out the T-shirts that I picked up that said 2014 DVL champs. Um, before that, though, the kids had dogpiled in the middle of the room or middle of the, the floor. The students had rushed the floor, so it was just packed down there. Oops. And um, so that's when I pull out the T-shirts. And the boys turn around, and they see me holding the T-shirts, and they run over and grab the shirts. And one boy says... Coach, you've believed in us this whole entire time. And uh, that's, that's an emotional, emotional point for me. It is. Of, uh, just to have them see that uh-huh. um, without me verbalizing it. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. So we decided to celebrate at a local hamburger joint after that. And the, the manager of the restaurant, he put together an outside seating section for us and, um, there was music playing, and so people were dancing and laughing, and um, parents were literally break dancing and and rapping. It was it was amazing. And students were driving by in their cars, and uh, they were playing uh, "We Are the Champions," and it was awesome. And I went home that night just thinking, "Wow, does it get any better than this? What an amazing night!" Yeah. And I went home, or I went to sleep that night, and I woke up three thirty that next morning. And uh, I couldn't go back to sleep because I was thinking about all the different things that just happened over the last few months. Mm -hmm. And uh, I call those my God dots. So one or two, maybe three things that might be coincidental, but four, five, six, seven, no, that is not coincidence. So I just asked God, why did you do this? And then I heard him say, because I love you. And I just broke I was, I'm so sorry, God. I'm done screwing my life life up. I'm done doing it my way. I'm in. I don't know what that means, but I'm all in. And I call that my poker chip moment of when you literally slide all your chips in the middle of the table and it's all or nothing. You're leaving it all there. So my wife flies back that next day to Oregon and I get invited to go to church again. Then I get invited to go to this guy's house for a midweek service, and I hardly know anybody. And they start reading out of this book, and um, then I hear this guy kind of start reading James five sixteen: "Confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so you may be healed. For a righteous person is powerful and effective." 
And I didn't hear any of that. The only thing that I heard was James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another. And I was thinking, no way am I doing, nobody's done what I've done. It's too embarrassing. I'm too ashamed. Absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. Nope. I can't do it. So I went home that night. All I could think about was James 5.16. I get invited to go to church again. And then from there, the guy that hosted the Super Bowl party, he actually um, invited me to go to his house that Monday night for dinner with him and his family. So I'm having dinner. And afterwards, he says, hey, would you be interested in studying the Bible? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued of how he did the Super Bowl service. So we sit down, and I quickly notice that his wife and his kids are not in anywhere around. And so uh, he begins to read the Bible, and I don't really hear anything but James 5.16. Mm-hmm. So uh, next thing I know, I'm opening my mouth, and I'm confessing. And then there's a short, brief period of silence, and I think, oh, no, I shared too much. And then he starts and starts to encourage me and then shares me, uh, hey, you might be interested in this book. My son and the the teens at church have been studying this book for a purity book, Um, just a chapter out of it, not the whole book, but I think it might help. And the, the name of that was Breaking Free, Understanding Sexual Addiction and the Healing Power of Jesus. So I started reading this book, and I started reading the Bible every day. I was like a sponge. I couldn't get enough. Two weeks went by, and I felt like I hit this concrete wall. I couldn't go any farther. And But I knew what I needed to do, but I was arguing with God and quickly realized I lost. And uh, so I invited Rick to come over, and he sat, sat down. I said, hey, you know, I, I didn't really tell you everything when I confessed earlier, he's like, okay. So I began to share everything I could remember in my life, everything all the way to my childhood. And afterwards there was some silence, but this time it was a little bit longer. And I thought, Oh, for sure. I've said too much. So then he says, Cal, you've hurt so many people in your life. And Satan has spent 46 years of your life educating you about this specific sin. And God's going to go like that and do a 180 in your life. And now you're going to help other men come out of or not go in where you've been. First time in my life, I knew there was no decision to be made. I knew that's what I was going to do. I didn't know how or what that meant. I just knew I was in. And I also knew, not at the time, I I realized later, that that was not my friend speaking. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through my friend. Mm -hmm. So um, from that, next next spot was, uh, oh, he recommended that I go home. And when I went home to Oregon, this like a few weeks later, that I get some accountability, uh, some guys in my life. And um, that knows everything about me. And I was like, yep, I got five guys, no problem. Well, unfortunately, um, there was only one that was willing. And uh, we started uh, small, you know, small, just him and I, and started a group. And that is really where the ministry began, was right there. Mm-hmm. And that started to build. Um, but let's go back to the the basketball part of that. Yeah. So um, I didn't give you the dates to begin with. That was kind of a crucial part of that story. Um, when I, when the story began, I'd walked in my house on February 22nd, 2014 at 10 PM when the sadness came over me and I knew I was going to have to give that up. So let's go back to the end of the story. So I'm in that February 22nd, 2014 was when you knew business was not doing great. You had to go to Palm Springs. You had to leave coaching here in Oregon and uproot. Correct. Okay. 
And so now season's over with, and uh, I go down to the gym to help the, the head coach clean out this team room. And there was something on my mind I need, just needed to ask him. So I just asked, you know, what, what happened to the coach before me? I'd heard some things and he said, well, I had to fire him. So, um, I was like, Hmm, well, when was that? And he said, well, it was after the last game of the season. So I looked that up and it was February 22nd, 2014. And I thought, Hmm, what time was that? He goes, well, it was an away game. So by the time we got home that night, it was late. And I made sure all the kids were gone. You know, parents had picked them up and everything. We were just by ourselves. So it was like 10 p.m. So do you remember the beginning of the story? When I went in my house at 2014, February 22nd and 10 p.m. And I thought I was going to have to give up what I love to do. But God had a way bigger plan for me. And he has a way bigger plan for you too. Incredible. That hit me. It, it's getting to me now, but when you said that on Sunday, like that just that just broke because you had shared some more details too about what you did struggle with. And it's breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. So. And we we can talk about the struggles too. It's, yeah. Just we can give an overview of, of what you did struggle with because it, it's a common thing people do struggle with. Yeah. And and I do want to hear about that and then what you guys are doing, um, you and your wife together. I want to hear about that. Yeah. So um, at a very young age, um, about the age of five, I struggled with um, just sexual purity, um, acting out and it just progressively got worse. And, um, I got into porn and then from porn went to strip clubs, to, um, prostitution, to hookup sites, to you name it. It just got progressively worse and worse. And, um, even into my marriage, when I first got married, you know, I thought, well, this will take care of that. You know, I don't, I won't struggle with that. Well, then the porn got worse. And then that led me to uh, even more. And we have a saying that um, your sexual addiction will take you farther than what you've ever thought you could and make you spend more money than you ever thought you would. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. It's true for a lot of addictions. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't, you know, my wife found out that I was unfaithful to her in 2006 um, with multiple different affairs. It just, it was a continual thing. And, uh, what most addicts will do is, uh, sexual addiction and pornography is normally not a moral issue. It's, um, an issue of a, a wound of their past someplace in their past, whether it be in their family of origin, um, whether there's something that happened to them, it could be, um, we call them big T's and small T's. So a big T is might maybe a, a sexual abuse. And then other things might be just over time, something, you know, something was told to you of you're not going to, you know, make anything of your life or you're not worth anything or whatever. And just kind of, kind of builds up. So all those things, we try to find something to medicate that. And, um, there's, there's actually only one, um, one feel good addiction that is stronger than sexual and pornography addiction. And that is heroin. Really? So it's a powerful addiction and heroin. When you can stop, you're literally putting the pipe down. Yeah. Sex addiction. You can't put the pipe down. Mm -hmm. It's part of you your body makes that dopamine. So, um, did, it's, did you struggle with anything else during this time? As far as drugs or anything like that? No, I never struggled with that. Uh, alcohol, I didn't struggle with. Uh, it was just, just, the, and I don't want to say just cause it consumed me Yeah, and made me into a, a guy that I didn't, didn't like to be. Um, the shame hid me, you know, I didn't, 
when I did go to church, I just didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't want anybody to find out my secrets. Yeah. Of that shame. So, um, like you were saying earlier of if there's something that's just not quite right, let's talk about it. So today when we're talking, um, especially when somebody's already come to me and, and, you know, ask me some questions and ask for help, then our normal routine for check-in is as, as guys back and forth are like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, good. How's business? Oh, great. Which could be a complete lie. Uh-huh. Business could be terrible. Your life could be terrible, but we struggle with our pride and we want to make sure everybody knows we're doing okay. I got this. It's it's the man guard, I call it. Yes. You don't want to put your guard down. Yep. Especially to other men. Yes. So your wife did find out about this and in this whole thing you guys will launch into Cal, you you will start a podcast. I, I just know this. I'm going to help you get everything started. I know this is going to be a thing, so I don't know when, but it will happen. And you guys will hear more in-depth stories. I, I wanted today to, to kind of give a brief highlight of Cal's whole story and then the struggle he had. Um, and I do want you to touch on that, what more you want to share on that. Um, but it's just, it's incredible what everybody internally battles and nobody has any idea. Yeah. And your wife did stick with you through it. Yep. And there were struggles through that. Mm-hmm. And and now you are the man you are now. And and what are you guys doing to help other people? So, um, one, I want to make sure that you know that I have an amazing wife. And for her to stick next to me when she was going through her own issues of the the betrayal that I put her through and those wounds that she had the anger, the bitterness and all of that, that she was justified and she could have left me multiple times over, Mm -hmm. but God did something in her as well and really formed this relationship that we have had today better than we've had the day that we got married stronger, um, just all around, um, the, the, you know, I call it life 101. Um, well, what kind of training have you had? I've had life 101. You've lived it. Yes. So what works and what doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And uh, so what are we doing today? Um, we've, we've educated ourselves from not just books, but trainings and seminars and workshops and things. And we just got in there uh, in the trenches with, with people. And because there's such a huge need for this. Uh, you know, the churches only have like 7% of churches have something that's a, a program to help with. And this is a $94 billion dollar industry, the porn industry, and is growing as we speak. Mm-hmm. So um, there's just a huge need for it. So we started meeting um, as groups. Uh, my wife started a, a, a group, group for the women um, to process what is going on with them. And using her own experience as well, and we we have some uh, partners that we use some curriculum, some that uh, there's some very large um, purity based ministries uh, that we use their curriculum in different ways, and uh, so we help with groups. We also do one on ones. Um, we God's just been amazing of how different people He's put in front of us. Um, from a professional basketball player to a pastor to, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. We all struggle and um, it's difficult to sit across from somebody and say, Nope, I don't struggle when I'm thinking the percentages I'm going, Hmm, chances are you probably do struggle at least once in your life. You've had some kind of struggle like this. But the, the point of it is, is we want to be able to help those guys that I, I felt like there was no help. I couldn't speak up. And when my wife actually found out and knew about my infidelity, she had nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So now we want to be able to help people that just reach out. There is help. We have tons of information to be able to help, um, it, whether that be in groups, one-on-ones, direct you to some other you know ministries, 
and uh, just break the stigma and yeah, really give back. And like you were sharing with me earlier, it's all confidential. Yes. So when you when you go to Cal and talk to him or go to his wife Shanna, like that is between you and them, and they're there to get you the help. And even if it's not a sexual addiction struggle, any sort of addiction, any sort of struggle. I'm sure you're very much open. Yes, most definitely. And and you know people that they can connect with to get that help. Yes. And a lot of people are timid of going to church. Um, not everybody was raised in in a church background. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't. I went with my girlfriend's parents, um, started to get introduced to that, and have slowly evolved myself. But very little. I, I'm going to say I'm not. I'm not great at at church, and I still know all my technical terms and stuff. But um, it's interesting how God does work, mm-hmm. and and that's something that I continue to think about. And all of those experiences that you talk about, that this lined up for this, and that February twenty second at ten p.m. that is that is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I've had very small versions of this just where I'm at, and actions that I've taken to go attend a seminar which then is connected me as somebody in Spain. Mm-hmm. And then I'm flying to Spain and speaking with a, with a group of 15 guys and girls in a house. I stayed with them for two weeks. We talked, I heard their stories. They told me I should start my own business. I flew home and quit my job that, that day I landed. It's evolved into this. I've met so many great people. I've been surrounded with myself myself with people much older than I am, which I think from a young age, that's something very important. Just like you were saying, you were hanging out with that other guy, um, a part of the Amway Amway, and learning from him. I think that is one of the most important things you can do at a young age is surround yourself with people older than you. What they've gone through is stuff you, you don't even know about. And you might be in the beginning stages of something negative. that's mm-hmm. negative impacting you. You have no idea they've gone through that. But as you get connected with those people, you get closer with those people, and you get to learn about those people. Yeah. So where can people find your information? So well, this is like brand new to us as far as launching this. Um, it's all been by word of mouth mm-hmm. when they hear us speak or meet us or hear our store personally, story personally. So we are in the midst of building a, a website. Um, we have the website. We just have nothing on it right now. Okay. Uh, that's Game Changers, uh, GameChangerMinistries.org. And uh, they can reach out, call us, uh, email us. Um, my email is GameChanger at Earthlink.net. My wife's email is GameChangerWoman at Earthlink. That's uh, women. GameChangerWomen. Yeah. Okay at earthlink.net. Okay. And this, and to give you guys a little backstory, this, this episode is being recorded before um, I even record the first episode of this podcast. And that's going to be my story. So I will have in the show notes, all of this information. Um, and by the time this comes out and me and Cal and Shannon are going to be getting together soon and talking about a lot of different things, but one thing is going to be helping them market this. Um, and get their message out with my expertise that I have in my business. And I'm actually in, a, in an interesting phase right now. I was just doing photo and video for clients. I was seeing that when I was delivering this this content to them, they didn't know what to do with it. So now, like within the last six months, I've been heavy into this, okay, let's repurpose everybody's content and actually start gaining them traction. Because I thought if I just gave them this stuff, they knew what to do with it. Well, they didn't. They just spent money with me. I felt very ashamed that I received that money and then nothing really happened from it. So it's not a better time that all this could play out and that I'm educating myself on marketing and social media to help other people. You come along with what you're trying to do. And we have talked on and off over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And all this comes together. So... It's pretty amazing what God can do. God is <laughs> amazing. So, Cal, do you have anything else? I know we need to get you out of here. Do you have anything else you want to add? I just, number one message. God loves you. God loves you. And he has a plan for you.
thanks for being on the show. I'm sure we'll hear more of you. Like I said, we're going to get you guys a podcast going. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Of course. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. There'll be many more of these great episodes with great people. I've been very fortunate to surround myself with good people, like I mentioned. Cal being one of them. And I don't think we could have started this show, this this whole journey of, of my own podcast with a better person. Hmm. I mean, this whole time I was sitting here, I go, I don't know who else I could have had that has this story. So thank you, Cal, so much. Thank you. And I look forward to sharing more stories with all of you guys of business owners, just people in life that have incredible stories. Till next time, guys. Thank you.